Ruston, Louisiana, originally got involved in the oil work and got, had to move to Odessa, where he met Sister Brianna Pugh, who was Brother Terry Pugh's daughter, the granddaughter of Brother J.T. Pugh. Some of you may have heard of those names. He's written several books uh, <coughs> for the United Pentecostal Church, a great, great grandparent, a great heritage. And uh, <coughs> they have a little J.T., Joseph Terry, uh, that's a year old. And we are honored. She uh, <coughs> taught seventh and eighth grade and then um, became a school counselor. So they've been in the workforce. and. We're thankful. Brother Justin, come. Let's give him a hand. And when they landed, I told him he is at the home of the Ohio State Buckeyes. And uh, he's from Louisiana. And I told him my mother was from Louisiana, and when he bleeds, he bleeds purple and gold. And I said, well, fortunately, you don't have to worry. We're not playing them this year, uh, not because we didn't try. But anyway, but we're, we won't hold that against him, but we are, we are glad, honored that Brother Justin would be with us. And uh, they have a great miracle in their life, and uh, we're thankful they're here. Amen? Lord bless you, Brother Justin. Praise the Lord, church. Are you thankful to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. Amen. Without his presence, we would be nothing. Praise God. I, I couldn't help but just relate so much to that song that they sung here just a minute ago. He is worthy of it all. He is worthy of it all. Tears just begin to go in my face because it's just... God is worthy of it all. Amen. I tell you, if, if I didn't have anything in my life that I have today, if I lost it all tomorrow, if I had, didn't even have the shirt, shirt on my back, His presence would be enough. Amen. His presence is enough. Amen. It doesn't matter what I'm going through, what tribulation or trial is in my life, as long as I have His presence, I have enough. Amen. Praise God. If you have your Bibles this morning, I do feel direction from the Lord. We'll be reading out of the book of Joshua, uh, chapter 24. And we'll start with verse 1. Amen. I give honor to the Jostrans for, for allowing us to be here, for having us. I, I consider it a great privilege and honor to be here. I, I truly do. Um, They're just so highly respected in, 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 uh, throughout the country and the world and uh, they're just such a blessing to each and every one of us. Amen. And uh, you were blessed abundantly to have them as your pastors here. And uh, they have treated us with nothing but kindness since we've been here. Uh, we're very thankful for that. Uh, we've just so thankful for my family, my wife Brianna, my uh, son Joseph, she's probably on her way to the nursery. Amen. Praise God. So thankful. Amen. Joshua chapter 24 and verse 1. It says, And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel 
and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers and they presented themselves before God. Uh, I think it's interesting to note that this is the last gathering of Israel before the passing away of Joshua. So in other words, these are his final words to God's people. And uh, also, I think I believe it's interesting is he spends the first 13 verses you'll read here, uh, half of his allotted amount of time reminding them where they came from. He spent half of his allotted amount of time reminding them, don't forget that you were once lost in Egypt. It's imperative that we don't forget where we came from. That we were once lost. That we once cried out unto Him. That we uh, had no alternative. We had no hope. But yet God reached down into our miry clay and pulled us out. Amen. Praise God. And verse 13, He says, uh, telling them what thus saith the Lord, He says, And I have given you a land for which ye did not labor, and cities which ye built not, and ye dwell in them, of the vineyards and olive yards which ye planted not, do you eat? Uh, God was telling them, while you were still lost in Egypt, I was preparing a place for you. Amen. While you were still a slave over there, I was creating a purpose for your life. Amen. When I was lost in this world and I was flat on my back and I had no help, no hope, God was preparing something for me. Amen. Praise God. And, uh, but something changes between verse 13 and verse 14. We'll read. Uh, he, he changes from reminding them of their deliverance and He brings them to their devotion. Before he brought them to their devotion, I think it's noteworthy that he reminded them of their deliverance. Because if we remember where we came from, if we remember what God has done for us, it will take us to our devotion. Amen. In verse uh, 14, he says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. He says if you're going to serve God, it's got to be in sincerity and in truth. It's, uh, you've got to be fully devoted if you're going to serve Him. You, you can't half-heartedly live for God. You can't place Him on a back burner when you feel like it and call on Him when you need Him. He says, if you're going to serve God, it's everything and nothing less with God. It's a deep and true commitment. We can't just uh, casually be a Christian on Sunday and live like a heathen Monday through Saturday. And uh, in verse 15, He says, If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, Choose you this day whom you will serve. He says, you need to make a decision right now because being lukewarm is getting you nowhere. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me in my house, he says, we 
will serve the Lord. He was drawing a line in the sand, if you will. And he was saying, you can do what you want. You can go serve the gods of this world and the false idols uh, that you have created. But as for me and my house, uh, we're fully devoted. We're committed to this thing. And we're sold out for God. Amen. Praise God. And, and uh, I'll paraphrase for sake of time that the children of Israel, they say, of course we will serve the Lord, Joshua. Why wouldn't we after everything that He has done for us? Uh, our eyes have seen the miracles. We saw uh, the splitting of the Red Sea and we were, went through the wilderness. We, 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 why wouldn't we serve the Lord? But you know, Joshua was there. It's easy for us to read this and come to our own opinions and conclusions, but Joshua could look them in their eyes and he could hear the sincerity or the lack of in their voice. And Joshua makes this statement in verse 19. He says, You can't serve the Lord, for He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He, he must have felt their half-heartedness. He must have... He must have sensed something in them that they were just casually making a decision. Mo, Joshua, we're going to serve the Lord. You can, you can relax now. Go, go pass away somewhere. Leave us alone. You're, you're, we're, you're in good hands. We're okay. And, uh, so they reaffirm. They, they, they say, Joshua, we're going to serve the Lord. We're, we're going to do uh, what we said we're going to do. And... Uh, in verse 25, I'll bring my thought to this. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and set them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And watch this. He took a great stone and set it up there under an oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said unto all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us. For it hath heard all the words of the Lord which he spake unto us, and it shall therefore be a witness unto you, lest ye deny your God. He says, this great stone is here to remind you that you chose to serve the Lord. This stone is here in Shechem to remind you of your devotion to Him. Because deliverance is what God does for us. But you see, devotion is what we do for Him. And with the help of the Lord this morning, I want to preach to you the forgotten stones. The forgotten stones. Amen. Would you lay your Bibles down right now? Let's lift up our hands and voices to the Lord. And let's just ask God to have His perfect will in this house. Lord, we thank You, Jesus. We love You so much, God. We thank You for Your Word. I pray that You would let it break us, let it shape us, and let it mold us, God. That You would have Your perfect will in this house, God. Help us to decrease so that You can increase, God. And I pray that you would place your words in my mouth. Uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Praise God. I find it interesting that the very first thing that Joshua does as a leader of Israel in Joshua chapter 4 is when they are crossing the river Jordan, uh, God tells him to take 12 stones out of the mist of the river and place them in Gilgal 
uh, where they camped right outside of Jordan. And in Joshua chapter 4 and verse 6 it says that this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come saying, what mean ye by these stones? What, what is the purpose of these stones? Then ye shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over Jordan the waters of Jordan were cut off and watch this these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever he says these stones right here that we're placing in Gilgal are here to remind you of your deliverance they're here to remind you because we're getting ready to go into the the promised land. We're getting ready to go into a land flowing with milk and honey. We've made it through the wilderness. and But it's imperative that we don't forget where we came from. We can't forget that we were once lost in Egypt and that we cried out unto God and that He heard our cry and He came and He delivered you and He saved you and He gave you a second chance. It's imperative we don't forget where we came from, church. I don't care how long you've lived for God. I don't care how new you are. If you ever get to the place you forget what God has done for you. Can I tell you, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all He has done for me, I can't help but worship Him. I can't help but praise Him. I can't help but devote myself to Him. Because if we ever forget we were once lost, we would never know that we're now saved. And if we ever forget that we were once uh, uh, slaves in Egypt how can we know that we're now free Amen. we must never forget where we came from and, and he says these 12 stones pastor are here to remind you of your deliverance and the very last thing that Joshua does before he passes away is he takes a great stone and places it there in Shechem and says, This stone is a witness unto you that you chose to serve the Lord. It's here to remind you that you're here and you chose to serve Him. You see, Joshua was there as a child in Egypt. He was there when the Lord split the Red Sea. He was there in the wilderness. He was there when He split the Jordan. He was there when they conquered the land and, and, the, and the promise. And, and, and Joshua knew some things about God. He had learned some things in his life. You see, Joshua learned this, that it's easier sometimes for us to serve God in times of trial and adversity than it is in times of peace and prosperity. Amen. Because it's in our trial and our adversity. It's in my tribulations that I learn that I need Him. It's in the lowest valley of my life. Do I learn how small I truly am and how great He really is? But in times of peace and, ever, and prosperity, everything's going great. The blessings are flowing, you see. I have need of nothing. My life is filled with the blessings of God. If we're not careful, we can begin to believe that we don't need God anymore. And Joshua was simply saying this, that if he was God in Egypt, then he's got to be God in your promise. If he was God in the bad times, then he's got to be God in the good times. If he was God in your barrenness, he's got to be God in your fruitfulness. 
Don't just cry out to God when you need him. Don't just pray and come to church when you've got a problem. But when everything's going right, where are you then? When everything's perfect in your life, are you still praising and worshiping him? Some of us only call the pastor when we need God. Some of us only come to church when we need God. And and Joshua was simply saying that if he was God in Egypt, he's got to be God in the promised land. Amen. He understood the power of remembering and the danger of forgetting. These stones were placed in their lives. They had a purpose to remind them of their deliverance and their devotion. One of the troubling, most troubling verses in the Bible, watch this, in Judges chapter 2 and verse 7. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. Verse 10 says, There arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord nor yet the works which he had done in Israel. In one generation's time, they forgot about their deliverance. In one generation, they forgot about their devotion. They forgot that God pulled them out of darkness into His marvelous light. They forgot about prayer and consecration. And now there's forgotten stones in Gilgal and in Shechem that once had purpose in their life. There's stones they walk by that they don't even know they had a purpose. That they didn't know that those stones were placed in their lives by God. They just casually go on in their life. Everything's going right in the, in the land flowing in milk and honey. They were so wrapped up enjoying the blessings of God that they forgot the presence of God. They were so enjoying the blessings that they disregarded His presence. Lord, help us, God, to never be so full of the things of this world that we lose our hunger for your presence. People say it's Joshua's fault that Israel did not have a successor. It's, it's Joshua's fault that, that led to the book of Judges. It's Joshua's fault that, 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 the, that the Israel ended up in debauchery and sin and, and evilness did abound throughout the world. It's Joshua's fault because he didn't leave a successor. But I say that it, it's easy to put the blame on others. It's easy to put the blame on leadership. It's easy to sit back and say, well, it's the pastor's fault. And it's the church's fault. that If they would have done this and they would have done that, then maybe I would be better. Maybe I'd be more consecrated. But can I tell you, your pastor can't devote yourself to God. Your pastor can't pray for you. Your pastor can't fast for you. Your church can't devote themselves to God for you. It's our choice. We don't ever want to put the blame where it lies a lot of times, which is on ourselves. Can I I present to you the case of Joshua on his behalf? In Exodus 17, we have the battle, or Israel was battling the Amalekites. It's a very familiar verse of Scripture where uh, Moses was on top of the mountain and and, uh, the Israelite army was down at the bottom fighting. And when Moses, as long as his hands were raised... 
They were winning the battle, but as soon as he grew weary and he grew tired, amen, his barns would begin to fall. The, the, uh, the enemy would begin to advance. But then, thank God, there was an Aaron and there was a Hur next to him that came and held his hands up and they won the battle together. But my point is this, that while Aaron and Hur and Moses were on top of the mountain and the battle was being fought, there was a young Joshua that was in the midst of the fight. That whether Israel was winning the battle or whether they were losing the battle, there was a young Joshua that still kept on fighting. He said, Pastor, I'm not going to give up on you when things get tough. I'm not going to jump ship when things get a little rocky in my life. But whether we're in victory or whether we're in the valley, he says, I'm going to stay and I'm going to fight and I'm going to pray and I'm going to devote myself to God. There was a young Joshua that was devoted, you see, that was fully committed, you see. And, and in Exodus 17 and verse 14, watch this. The Lord said unto Moses, write this for a memorial in a book. And rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. The Lord singled out this one man. They had Aaron and her right next to him. He had all of Israel right there at his hands. But God says, I want you to write these things down and teach it to that young man. I want you to teach Joshua to remember. Why did the Lord choose Joshua? What did God see in Joshua that He didn't see in all of Israel? Amen. In Joshua chapter 13 and verse 1, watch this. Now Joshua was old and stricken in years. And the Lord said unto him, Thou art old and stricken in years, and there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. I'm going to stop right there and tell somebody here this morning, you may not be as efficient as you once were. You may not be as strong as you once were 10 years ago. You may not be as youthful as you once were 30 years ago. But God says, even though you're old and stricken in years, Joshua, there's much land to be possessed don't settle back in complacency don't get satisfied right now there's still more in store for your life I've got greater things in store for this church Amen. It's a blessing for this church to be here for over a hundred years. But can I tell you this morning, God's got more in store for you. God's got greater things in store for you. This could be just the beginning. There's greater things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And in Joshua 18 and verse 3, he says, Joshua said unto the children of Israel, How long are ye slack to go possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers have given you? Why are you settling for less in your life? Why are you settling for anything less? than everything God has in store for you. Some of us here this morning, the enemy has deceived you. The enemy has tricked your mind thinking this is all God's got for you. You're just meant to be a doormat. You're destined to be a punching bag. But can I tell you, God's got something in store and you've got to begin to open your mind and believe it in the name of Jesus. I'm going to see greater things in 2020. What my life is not predicated by my circumstances or my situation but by the word of God 
You don't have to settle for what the enemy has given you. You don't have to sit back in Gilgal when there's a whole promised land waiting for you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I say all that to say this. The, the fault was not in Joshua. It was in the children of Israel. What if Joshua did not fail in finding a successor? But what if the successor failed in finding Joshua? What if that great man of God was looking to and fro through the land for someone that could pick up the mantle? What if Joshua was searching high and low for someone that'd be willing enough that could take their eyes off of the world and focus back on God? That he could pass the torch too. But simply there was no one there. There was simply no one there, and, and uh, they, were, they, they, they lost it all in one generation's time. Can I tell you, they weren't hungry for God because they were being fed by the land. They were so wrapped up in everything else. They lost their hunger for God. Can I tell you, the reason there was no successor and it's for the children of Israel was because there was a lack of hunger in the land for the things of God. Now that they've made it to the promise, now that they've made it through the wilderness, they thought it was the end. They lost their hunger for Him. They lost their devotion to Him. Can I tell you, the lack of hunger will lead to forgotten stones. The lack of hunger will cause us to lose our devotion and forget our deliverance. But can I tell you what Jesus said? And Jesus can preach it better than I ever could. Jesus said in Matthew 5 that blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. Come on, somebody. I said it's not the hung, it's not the satisfied and the complacent, but it's the hungry and the thirsty. It's the hungry and the thirsty. It's not the I'm okay with this as long as everything's going right. I'm okay with how it is. As long as no, there's no trials in my life, I'll just come to church on Sunday and it'll be alright. Church will become an obligation to you. It'll simply just become a thing, a spot on your calendar. If you lose that hunger, this is just a place we go on a Sunday morning and on a Sunday night. But can I tell you, if you're hungry for the things of God, this is a place where miracles and signs and wonders. This is a place where my lost loved ones can come to an altar and be free from addiction and free from sin. If we're not hungry, this is just another Sunday. If you're hungry enough, this is the day that God can change everything for you. This is the day you can see your children come back to this place. This is the day that every prodigal that's ever walked in and out those doors could come running back to these altars. This is the day the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're hungry this morning, He said, I'm the bread of life. And if you're thirsty, he says, I am the living water. 
the word God gave me for this morning was uh, that he's looking for a generation that's more hungry for him than they are the things of this world. Uh, I'm looking for a church. Uh, I want somebody that's more hungry for me than they are about a football game. I'm looking for somebody that's more hungry for me than they are about entertainment and celebrities in Hollywood. We've got to get back to a place where we're hungry. Hungry led to the Azusa Street Revival. Hungry will lead us to revival. Hungry will take us to the presence of God. And I tell you, it was hunger. That, that led, it was thirst that led that Samaritan woman to the well. It was hunger that said, if I could just touch the hem uh, of his garment. Uh, thirst said, Jesus, uh, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Everybody else said, sit back, be quiet. But he said, no, you don't understand. I may never have this opportunity again. I may never see him again. But even if I did, I would still worship and I would still praise. If we're not hungry, church, this morning, then that young preacher up there better preach a real good one if he's going to get something out of me. That worship team better sing my favorite song, can I tell you? If you're hungry for God, I don't have to preach for a lick. You're hungry for God. They don't have to, it doesn't matter what they sing. His presence is enough. God's presence is enough. Hallelujah. If we're hungry for God, we'll do whatever we it takes to get to the well. Hunger will draw you to an altar. Hunger will take you to a place in prayer. This world that ne- this world could never take you. Hunger is the greatest seasoning there is. If you're hungry enough, you're just thankful. Well, I didn't get what I wanted today. Uh, that, that prayer was an answer today. But if you're hungry enough, oh, but God's presence was there. Yeah. If you're hungry enough, but I saw a brother or a sister that got a blessing. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. I'm not preaching against being thankful this morning, church. I, I could preach anything else that would get you up and hollering and, and worship and praising God. I'm preaching to you what God put on my heart. I'm not preaching against being thankful. The Bible says in everything, give thanks. It's God's will that we give thanks in everything. But what it's saying is we've got to be thankful for one hand. with one hand. I'm thankful for all that God has done for me. I'm a nobody. I was nothing when I found God. He turned me into what I am today. He's blessed me abundantly. I don't deserve anything that I have. I'm thankful. But on this hand, Pastor, I'm hungry for more. I'm thankful for what I've seen thus far. But I'm pressing towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God. There's a greater revival that has yet to be seen. There's miracles that have yet to be occurred. There's things that we have yet to see that God is wanting to do. Praise God. Praise God. God's looking for a generation that's among who are hungry for the Him than they are the things of this world. Praise God. The young Elijah was plowing in the field, Pastor, and then the prophet Elijah 
comes by him. The Bible says he doesn't say anything to him. He just cast his mantle upon him. He ran after the prophet. He ran after Elijah. There was a hunger in that young man. Elijah didn't have to twist his arm. He didn't have to pull him. He didn't have to convince him. He just cast his mantle. Sometimes if we're hungry enough, God doesn't have to do much to get us going. Well, if God will do this, and if God will do that, and if He will do, if you jump through these hoops here, and God will open this door, then I'll step into what you want me to do. Then I'll answer the call. Then I will devote myself. But can I tell you, if you're hungry enough, uh, God doesn't have to do much to get us to move. Praise God, praise God. And he follows that prophet Elijah and they find themselves at Gilgal where those 12 stones were that were forgotten. And they're there standing in Gilgal. Elijah tells that young, prop, young man Elijah, he says, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. Stay here. It's easier for you to stay in Gilgal instead of going to Bethel, Elijah. But Elijah says, no, as the Lord liveth, as my soul liveth. I'm going where you go, Pastor. I'm not satisfied with just Gilgal. I can't just sit back. If you're pressing forward, following the will of God, I must go with you. They get to Bethel and the Bible says the sons of the prophets were there and, and they began to tell Elijah, don't you know that the, the Lord is taking up your master today and, and you're going to lose him? And he says, yes, I know, hold your peace. And then Elijah the prophet says, stay here, the Lord is sending me to Jericho. And it would be easier to sit back in Bethel instead of going to Jericho sometimes. But you see, there was a hunger that compelled that young man to say, as the Lord liveth and as my soul liveth, I'm going with you. Yeah. And he follows them to Jericho. Uh, and I'm getting somewhere. And when they get to Jericho, the sons of the prophets again were there. And they said, don't you know the Lord is taking your master from you today? They were reminding him, you're about to lose this man of God in your life. The Lord's taking him up. Uh, the Lord's calling him home. And, 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 and you, they're just constantly reminding him this. Yes, I know. Hold your peace. And, and here comes the man of God, Elijah. He says, all right. Uh, the Lord is sending me to the Jordan. Uh, stay here in Jericho. And he says, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, uh, I'm going to the Jordan with you. But you don't understand, Elijah. If you go with me to the Jordan, you're going back by yourself. I'm not coming back with you. But there was something inside of him that provoked him to follow the man of God. And you'll find in the Bible where Elijah and Elijah are standing at the river Jordan. The Lord's getting ready to split the river so they can cross to the other side. And the Lord will take Elijah, Elijah up in a whirlwind in a chariot. But watch this, the Bible says, as they were standing at the Jordan, Elijah and Elijah, by themselves, 50 of the sons of the prophets stood from afar to watch. While they were sitting back in comfort and complacency, there was a hungry Elijah down there at the Jordan. 
Can I tell you, you don't receive the double portion anointing by being a spectator. You don't receive what God's wanting to give you by sitting back and watching everything occur. But you've got to follow the man of God. And it's that hunger that's going to take you from Gilgal all the way to the Jordan. It's that hunger that's going to provoke the purpose out of you. That hunger will provoke the destiny out of you. And here is this young man picking up a double portion anointing, uh, receiving what God's called for his life uh, while the sons of the prophets were watching from afar, spectating in comfort and complacency. He was just the son of a farmer, but yet they were called the sons of the prophets. Can I tell you, it was not his lineage that placed him in his position to receive the anointing. It was his hunger. I don't care what your background is. I don't care how many mistakes you've made. I don't care where you came from. I come from a family of addiction I come from a family of sinners but yet God still called me God still designed a purpose for my life because there was a hunger you don't have to be born with prestige and power and position you just get a little hunger in you get a little devotion in you find yourself on your knees in prayer shed a little tears let God have his way in your life and watch what he will do praise God praise God praise God hallelujah hallelujah Psalm says in verse 42 and verse 1, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee. I need you, God. I can't live without you, God. We, we live in America. We're blessed people in spite of what some may think. We have so many blessings, so many liberties surround us every day. We're surrounded by liberty, so thus we take it for granted. And the same can be said in the spiritual realm because we've been in liberty and freedom for so many years. We can take it for granted. But can I tell you, if we lost His presence, we would have nothing. If we lost His presence, we would be nothing. I've got to have God. It's that hunger, Elijah, that will compel you to Bethel. And I'm coming to a close, musicians, if you will come. It's that hunger, Elijah, that's going to take you to Jericho. It's that hunger that's going to take you all the way to the Jordan. And if you read Joshua chapter 4 again very carefully, you'll see that they placed 12 more stones in the midst of Jordan. And I don't know for sure, but I just I believe in my heart that when they, the Lord split the river Jordan, that that young man probably saw those 12 stones and remembered what they were for. Praise God. It's not the complacent and the satisfied church, but it's the hungry and the thirsty that will be filled. Every generation has the same decision to make. We've been here since, this church has been here since 1914. It's such a... A blessing and a privilege to be here today standing behind this altar with each and every one of you. I, I count it one of the greatest honors of my life. But can I tell you, it took us multiple generations to get here. We can lose it all in one. We can lose everything that our elders built for us. 
over generation after generation in one generation's time. Because a lack of hunger will lead to forgotten stones, but the presence of hunger will lead you to the anointing, Elijah. A lack of hunger will push you away from God, but the presence of hunger will draw you nearer to Him. Praise God. I asked at the beginning in Exodus 17, what did the Lord see in Joshua that He didn't see in anyone else that day in the battle of the Amalekites? In Exodus chapter 32, Israel had sinned by creating the golden calf and it angered the Lord. He was ready to completely eradicate the, the children of Israel off the face of the earth. But Moses interceded on their behalf. And because of that, Moses takes the, the, the tabernacle of meeting out of the camp of Israel and places it outside uh, the camp. Because at the time, they were not worthy of his presence. And Moses finds himself in that tabernacle. And Exodus 33 and verse 11, watch this. And it says... The Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. Can you imagine the presence of God in that place, Pastor? What it must have felt like to be that close to God. I don't know about you, but my, 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 my whole reasoning for this is to get closer to Him. One day I'm looking forward to being close to Him and looking at Jesus face to face. That's my heart's desire. And here Moses is, the Bible says, speaking to the Lord face to face. But watch this. And he turned again to go into the camp. But Moses was not alone. His servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. was a hunger in Joshua that led him there. And when Moses says it's time to go, he says, not today, Pastor. I, I've never seen this before. I, I've never experienced this before. If it's all right with you, I just want to stay a little longer in his presence. Uh, uh, this is what I hunger for. This is what I thirst for. This is what I live for. If it's all right with you, I'm going to stay right here as long as I can. His hunger brought him there. And his hunger kept him there. Can I tell you what's got us here today? What's brought us here today is generation upon generation with the hunger for the things of God. They brought us here. And the only thing that will keep us here is that same hunger. We don't need another book. We don't need another sophistication class. What we need to do is get an old-fashioned hunger for the things of God. What happened and what worked 2,000 years ago will still work today. It hasn't changed. If they started this thing in the Spirit, there's only one way to end it in the flesh not, we can't get too sophisticated I forget how to get on my knees at an altar we can't get too comfortable I don't know what it's like to shed a tear in the presence of the Lord can I tell you if we lose our hunger church amongst the things of this world the distractions of this world we'll begin to forget one by one 
the stones that were placed in our lives by our elders. We'll forget about consecration. We'll forget about prayer. We'll forget about devotion. We'll forget about having an altar. Would you stand with me this morning? Uh, it's 1125. I, I know you're hungry. I know we've got things to do today. But I would to God that there would be an Elijah and a Joshua in this place this morning that says, God, I'm hungry for you. God, I need you. I've been lukewarm too long. I've been tiptoeing too long.